Hello and welcome to the Innovation Forum podcast for Friday 29th of July. I'm B. Stevenson covering again for Ian Welsh. Ian recently spoke to Ian Sawaganda, Head of Policy and Partnerships at Golden Agri Resources, about going beyond compliance with new due diligence regulations to transform entire supply chains for better worker safety and well-being. They discussed the role of government and the value-driven consumer and reasonable expectations for consumer-facing brands in supply chain transformation. That's to come. First, though, is some sustainable business news. According to the International Energy Agency's Electricity Market Report, global emissions from power generation are set to decline by about 0.3% this year, despite a forecast in January that emissions will remain flat after last year's record highs. The decline is due to a surge in renewable power, coupled with a slowdown of industrial activity in China, with continued COVID-19 measures and supply restrictions in the US. Renewable power is predicted to grow by 11% this year, meeting a growing portion of power demand in the face of increasingly expensive fossil fuel prices. Global power consumption is set to increase by 2.4%, lower than the 3% growth that the IEA predicted in January. In the Brazilian Supreme Court's first climate change ruling, it has recognised the Paris Agreement as a human rights treaty. The ruling has ordered the government to fully reactivate its National Climate Fund, which was established in 2009 as part of a national climate policy plan, but was inoperative by 2019 when the lawsuit leading to the Supreme Court case was filed by four political parties. The court said that treaties on environmental law are a type of human rights treaty and therefore have supranational status. There is therefore no legally valid option to simply admit to combat climate change. One justice also noted the rampant increase in deforestation in the Brazilian Amazon last year. This shows no signs of slowing down as satellite images taken between January and June showed 1,500 square miles of forest destroyed. The International Monetary Fund has launched a new gender strategy to better integrate gender policies into its work. Managing Director Kristalina Georgieva has said that the fund will start implementing the four-pillar strategy immediately by assessing the macroeconomic impact of gender gaps, evaluating the gender-differentiated impact of shocks and policies, and providing tailored policy advice. Impacts of the pandemic and wars are now compounding the long-established disproportionate effect on women of climate change and increased global fragility. The new IMF strategy will support outcomes which benefit women, girls and society in general. In the world of recycling, a partnership between Dow and Mira Technology has led to the most significant commitment of its kind to scale the advanced recycling of plastics. The partnership will construct multiple advanced recycling facilities across Europe and the US, adding as much as 600 kilotons of annual capacity. Dow, the world-leading materials science company, will become a key off-taker of Circular Feed from Mira, a company offering advanced recycling solutions. The Circular Feed will reduce the reliance on fossil-based feedstocks, and allow Dow to produce a recycled plastic feedstock to develop new virgin-grade plastics to be bought by global brands and recirculated into global supply chains. The expansion of Mura's pipeline builds upon their first partnership in Teesside in the UK, which is set to be fully operational by 2023. The Innovation Forum event series includes the next in our series on the future of plastics and packaging on the 11th and 12th of October in Amsterdam with a focus this year on how businesses can build circular packaging solutions that deliver impacts at scale. Full details on the Innovation Forum website. Our flagship Sustainable Landscapes and Commodities Forum returns on the 1st and 2nd of November, also in Amsterdam. As ever, the agenda will have an emphasis on open, candid debate and discussion. Register by the end of today, Friday the 29th of July, for a discounted ticket. 
Ian Welsh recently spoke to Gaz Ian Suaganda about the palm oil sector's shift from environmental sustainability to social sustainability. They discussed the key mechanisms, actors and challenges involved in supply chain transformation. So we're going to be talking a bit today about how companies can improve labour practices in agricultural supply chains. Ian, give us a tiny bit of context setting about Golden Agri Resources. Golden Agri Resources, we are the largest palm oil producer in Indonesia in terms of plantation size. So we have about 536,000 hectares of concessions in Indonesia. That gives us a large social footprint. Our total is about 170,000 employees and about Nearly 70,000 of those are smallholder farmers with whom we have a scheme arrangement where they supply their fruit to us based on our inputs and technology. So we have a large social footprint and that's why labor practices and community engagement and, and all these social issues are very important for us. Regulatory risks as they relate to labor practices have been an increased priority to producers, especially those that are exporting to the US, the UK and Europe. Perhaps give us a bit of insight as to what's changed recently and where these pressures are coming from. Speaking on just the palm oil industry, we clearly see a shift in a debate from environmental sustainability to social sustainability. On the environmental side, thanks to government regulations, we now have a moratorium on new plantation licenses in forest areas. And thanks to corporate no deforestation policies, we have basically seen a 90% decline in forest conversion from palm oil in the last 10 years. So if in 2011, 2012, you can see 1 million hectare of forest conversion, 1 million hectare. In 2022 and 2021, one decade later, it's down to about 100, 150,000 hectares. So that's a 90% drop. With the performance on the environmental sustainability side, now stakeholders are shifting their attention to social challenges. And you see this most reflected in regulations in the US, UK and Europe, where they're trying to implement now strict legislation that prohibit child labor, that prohibit forced labor. Another example is where the Consumer Goods Forum has established a dedicated working group to address challenges in human and labor rights. This regulatory risk from the government side, that is new and very real. So last year in the palm oil industry, we were quite shocked to see that the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency of the United States, they basically banned two Malaysian companies to ship their palm oil into the USA for alleged forced labor of migrant workers. So Gar, we're monitoring all these developments and we are participating in debate on social challenges in our industry We want to make sure we can meet our customer expectations and comply with regulatory requirements. How then do the risks here differ from the ever-present reputational risks and how are businesses addressing these? Bottom line, we agree with the regulation, you know, the goals of the regulation. So we shouldn't have child labor in our supply chain. There shouldn't be any forced labor in our supply chain. Unfortunately, the way the regulation is set up, is that they missed the opportunity to invest in sector transformation. And what do I mean by this? So regulation, the way they're designed today, is they focus on cleaning up your supply chain. And you get penalties if you do not. And while cleaning up and penalties is one tool to address any potential labor issues in supply chain, it's not the only tool and will not get you to the ultimate goal of transforming the supply chain. So with just cleaning up and penalties, you end up with a supply chain that is based on two tiers. 
One is a set of suppliers that are compliant and another set of suppliers that is not. So at GAR, we aim to raise the performance of our entire supply chain, not just some of our suppliers. And that means investing in our suppliers to build their capacity to comply, to improve their performance and then to comply. So our aim is both to clean up our supply chain, but also to expand our supply base of performing suppliers. And that has worked for us. That has worked for us in addressing deforestation industry. To change the industry, you really have to engage your suppliers. It's not enough to just clean up. We, you really want to transform the industry to make the entire industry sustainable. I think it's a very clear unintended consequence of the sorts of rules that have come into play in, in the European Union. These rules are not intended to mean that companies simply leave non-complying suppliers alone because obviously someone else will just pick that supplier up. So I think it's an unintended consequence of forcing companies to think in terms of low-risk suppliers, low-risk regions, in fact, where in fact the best thing to do in fact be for progressive companies to work with their suppliers and transform them rather than just divest from them. Which stakeholders bear the largest responsibility for shifting practices for workers? And what's practical to expect from consumer-facing brands who don't necessarily own their supply chain? The responsibility lies with the company. So in our case, with our supply chain, most of the responsibility lies with us, though, of course, we do share with our supply chain partners. Sometimes I hear the following argument, you know, government is responsible for implementing and enforcing good labor practices. But that argument doesn't work in an agricultural setting that is often remote, you know, with little local government capacity. So to ensure their agri-commodity purchases are free of social exploitation, big buyers will hold their suppliers accountable for good labor practices, not the local government. On the question of the role of consuming-facing brands, so at GAR, we have had very good experience working with consumer-facing brands. Palm oil industry is very fragmented with many small, medium enterprise and smallholders whose processes and systems are weak. So in 2020, for example, we worked with Nestle and labor NGO Ferite to assess the labor performance in the various parts of our supply chain, whether it's refinery or mill, our own operations or third-party operations, et cetera, et cetera. We noticed that when you get a well-known brand in the room, then suppliers pay more attention. And then in the end, they are more open to building processes and systems that ensure the respect of labor rights and human rights. So much of this, of course, requires transparency and reporting. So what are the challenges to reporting on worker safety and well-being in your view? And are there any practices that can be used from reporting standards in other sectors, for example? In the palm oil industry, where the supply chain is fragmented with a thousand mills and millions of smallholders, it is very difficult to monitor worker safety and well-being. You can monitor the environment with satellites, but you cannot monitor workers that way. Sustainability certification helps, but not all growers can afford it. So for now, at least at GAR, we see no choice, but we have to assess suppliers in person, on-site, on the ground. Since 2007, I think we have visited more than 125 suppliers to make those labor assessments on site. So looking forward, GAR is very excited about the NDPE implementation reporting framework. So key actors in the palm oil industry are developing a no exploitation reporting framework based on agreed upon definition and methodologies. And we should have our first reports ready in 2023. 
What role does shareholder activism and the increasingly values-driven consumers play in creating positive pressure here? We see activists voting to try to change the way boards operate or to influence board makeup, for example, to get more diversity on the board. This would extend to other issues like climate change action. Values-driven consumers also play an important role in transforming an industry. Consumers reward companies who perform on sustainability, and they signal to lagging companies to improve on their performance. Clearly, things are changing and things are moving fast here, and it's great to see so much progress. Of all the things we discussed, what encourages you most about the increased pressure from policy to protect agricultural workers? I think now we see more alignment. So you see upstream producers and downstream buyers, you see them aligning on methodologies and definitions. And I think the challenge for the industry, you know, upstream and downstream, is to bring the other stakeholders on board and critically the government. We want the policies from the government that do not have these unintended consequences. The industry wants to transform the supply chain, not to clean up the supply chain. It is great to see these social issues getting more traction, but as you say, there's still more to be done in terms of getting the regulatory framework correct. But for now, Ian Suraganda from uh, Golden Egg Resources, thank you very much. Thank you. You can go to the Innovation Forum website for all the latest analysis and interviews. We'll be releasing some more standout sessions from our spring event series over the coming weeks, so keep an eye out for those. And don't forget that if you want to join either Plastics and Packaging or the Sustainable Landscapes and Commodities Conferences in Amsterdam this autumn, you can take advantage of discounts on passes if you reserve your place now. Everything you need to know about these is available online on our website. It's been a pleasure to host the weekly podcast again. We'll return next week with Ian Welsh as your host, as usual. But for now, from me, B. Stevenson, goodbye.